0: Hello and welcome to the Women in Leadership podcast. I'm Angie Mazzetti. This week's guest is Katrina Gleeson, CEO of Women for Election. She's a woman on a mission to get more women elected to political office at every level in the country. It's not always easy though, as there are many systemic barriers and
1: social difficulties that make women reluctant
0: even to put themselves forward as candidates.
1: We hear consistently from women, and particularly women who've been elected, that they had to be asked multiple times to run um, for an election, um, whereas a guy, a man, would put themselves forward without even being asked.
0: Paying lip service a few weeks out from the election won't cut it for the political parties. She believes that parties need to realise that now is the time to put serious thought and planning into nominating women and developing
1: their campaigns for 2024. And we're asking that for the 2024 elections that they look and they select equally, but not only select equally then, but equally provide the supports to women in terms of running for campaigns and not land women on the ticket a week or two out from an election or even four weeks. Now's the time for, for the selections and supports to start be putting in place.
0: The tone of debate and the adversarial culture that politicians of old hues meet often puts good people, good women off going for political office.
1: And this has to change you know that everyday take down a politician because it's the right thing to moan about today it's not okay you know it's not okay i think we have we can do much better and that adversarial culture that we have here in ireland doesn't need to be that way
0: on the upside katrina says something that's often overlooked is the communal belonging aspect of joining a political party that shares your values
1: but i think there's something about you know we think of joining up a sports club or we think of joining up um other civic society organisations, unions or whatever, but have we, did we grow up in a culture where it was considered, oh and with which party am I joining in terms of my active citizenship and my being able to engage in the cut and trust of of daily life, of politics and change in my community. Stay
0: tuned for her pearls of wisdom, her best money advice, what she's doing for the environment and what her go-to music choice is here on the Women in Leadership podcast. Thanks for joining us on the Women in Leadership podcast, Katrina Gleeson, CEO of Women for Election, an Irish organisation tasked with getting more women into leadership positions in Irish politics at every level. It's a job that's very necessary in this country, isn't it, Katrina?
1: Absolutely, Angela. Um, hundred years of the state, and we have elected one hundred and thirty-one women in, in that time. We've thirty-seven women in the doll today, we had six in 1921. So we've made glacial uh, progress really. And so the critical need for women to sit equally at the table with men, um, never so obvious as it was in the last two years of the pandemic, but um, for many active feminists, certainly for many decades, it's been a, 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 a pone of contention and an area that we haven't made enough progress in. How underrepresented are
0: women in Irish public office, not just in the Dáil, but in, you know, in councils and in all aspects of public life?
1: Well, I mean, if we take the average figures for the whole country in the Dáil, um, uh, so our national parliament, we have 23% of of the seats are occupied by women, which means that uh, 77% are occupied by men. And that's the... Highest level that women have have had space in the doll in in 100 years. So it's increased gradually. 2020 2020 was a 1% increase on 2016. We had quite a jump from 2012 when we had the um quotas in between. So we, we we did see a jump from I think 15% up to 23% of me exactly on the figures. I don't always yeah. retain them exactly. Yeah. But yeah. that's that's the kind of the shape. So I suppose really until the early nineties when Labour, um, the Labour women as it was described in the 1990s, okay. and we had that 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 surgence of new women coming into the doll and, and from other parties as well, obviously. But up until that period, I mean we we had an empty chamber when it came to women and a, a chamber that was fully occupied with men and then if you take that figure then into the local area which is where local government has been really important in our lives not people may may not realize it and may not see it and certainly women may not realize it may not see it because they don't see themselves um as as much as we should do so in it, it's kind of skewed the average is 25 percent um of local councillors are women so a very low figure we're sitting possibly the in the bottom 10 in europe um Globally, we're sitting 100th in the world in terms of our performance. Um, that's this month's rankings. Um, Shocking, isn't uh, it? Not, yeah, it's desperate. But in terms of local government, it's actually even worse because those statistics are, are skewed by the performance of Dublin, Kildare, Wicklow and some outliers like Galway. Um, whereas around the country, um, we actually have county councils where there's like one woman elected, two women elected. And there, you know, there's any... Um, there's only a small handful of councils actually have more than than forty percent women. We have twenty three local electoral areas in the country where there is no women. It's really shocking, yeah. And yet, and you have,
0: know, being on a local council is kind of a prerequisite to getting into the daw. Isn't it? You need some local experience and just learning how things work at local level if you want to get into senior.
1: Statistically. In the way yeah. politics has happened, operated, and and you know, if you just look at the basics of you know people vote in terms of who they know, um you know anybody making a decision will want to know the person they're 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 voting for their track record. So we have some exceptions to that in in the in more recent dolls, but in in the main. The majority of women, it's a very high statistic, I think it's over 80% of women who are elected to Dáil Air at the moment have served at least one term at, at local government. So local government is critical, but also not just because of national parliament, but because for local government, we're making decisions around our infrastructure, we're making decisions around housing, we're making decisions that are critical to our everyday women's lives as well particularly. Women's lives and well women's lives and, uh, and also you know it's not just about having women at the table to you know have a maybe perhaps a greater understanding of women's experiences but the diversity of women's perspective at the table does make a difference and and we're missing that potential and we're missing the potential not just in terms of women but the diversity of people in Ireland you know we've a very low representation in terms of ethnicity in terms of uh of diversity in our society, and and that's that's something we have to really address.
0: And yet, there's no shortage of women involved in in local issues, and you know, advocating for various charities or local issues. They just don't become counsellors So, what's going against them? You know, what's stopping them? What what facilities? You know, is, it's not just themselves that are stopping them. It's the system, I suppose. Is it? Well, have you done any research on this? What do you? Yeah, think?
1: there's lots of research and there's lots of thinking. I suppose. Um, the first word is use patriarchy and the tradition that i've just talked to you about so we've had a nearly 100 years of a, what you would call a male quota system um where entry into politics traditionally from you know this era 100 years ago when when um, women were effect- effectively nearly banished from from um, the decision making institutions the, the the politics the law um businesses women were were Pushed as in the constitution into a role in the home effectively you know that's that's how we were how we were categorized um in in the free state constitution so um so that's kind of one of the roots um and so when you don't have that tradition you don't think necessarily about politics so i i keep asking people do you ever think about joining a political party did you ever think about joining a political party did you ever think about running for government and these are people who women who would be actively running communities so i mean i say it all the time and my colleagues say it women are running ireland but we're not at the decision-making tables where the power ultimately lies in terms of the policy that 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 is trying to fit in or undo the running of ireland so um huge activism um at every level across business across health across social care across community development you know i'm sure if we did a mapping of of who's running the the efforts in terms of of Uh, facilitating accommodation and supplies and care in terms of the current welcoming of Ukrainian um, people, you know, I'm sure we're going to see a disproportionate representation of women there, but we are kept out of the table. So to ask, answer your question in more detail, then there's a lot of barriers. So disproportionately um, in Ireland the statistics, you're still showing us that the expectation and the um, predominant responsibility for care work Uh, is still lying with women um and that and and that area of care isn't valued equally in society as other areas of work so you can you know without saying very much you can see the problem there then when you go into the local chambers either local government chambers or you look into the the doll the Iraq houses the Iraqis they were never designed for women to be there so even down to where the toilets are I remember hearing some of the yes where the toilets are and know every so there's add-ons but also it it, you know we're having to like ask for people to think about more than the traditional way of doing things so for men who are parenting and who have care roles they too are trying to fit into a system that doesn't value care um Mm -hmm. so that's one of the barriers um a lot of people talk about confidence and and i think it's very interesting um it's a very interesting concept because um Again, disproportionately, there isn't the same confidence in women to put themselves forward. And we hear every consistently from women and particularly women who've been elected that they had to be asked multiple times to run um, for an election. Um, whereas a guy, a man would put themselves forward without even being asked. And so mm. there in in there is a very interesting socialization of, of men and women. Um, but we're also asking women to have the confidence to fit into a system that hasn't been designed for them, or that isn't intuitive necessarily. So, so you know, is it a confidence, or is it that we're trying to fit into something that isn't naturally where where, where, where being designed? You know, so mm-hmm. so I think that it, you know, but we do work in Women for Election to unpack that. And key to having confidence is actually having the know-how and the information around how systems work. And so we do we do an awful lot of work on that. You did a. Uh... Uh, campaign there
0: maybe a year or more ago about
1: tapping somebody
0: on the shoulder which I thought was a great idea just going back to what you were saying there about you know being asked multiple times is that you know people just need to be asked or hinted like you know have a think about this and does it take a while for them to come around then
1: well we see um like women for lecture 10 years this year. So we've had a number of campaigns over the years, and the asking somebody to get somebody to go forward has been kind of core to our, 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 our way of getting women involved. So we relaunched that campaign this this spring um, as the Count Her In, Count Me In campaign. And it essentially is the same principle. So women are consistently saying to us that they needed to be asked multiple times, at least five times in, in some cases, um, before they would put themselves forward. So that's the concept we're working on. That while at the same time hoping that women would count themselves in that they'll they'll feel that purpose that sense of um knowing in themselves that actually they they really want to cut their teeth in politics and and run and represent their community so so um that's that's one of the campaigns that we have but it's an important part of getting women to come forward women are coming forward though that's mm. that's important we need to know that as well and we've seen a lot more female candidates in the in the last number of years the issue uh, which is one of the other barriers, has been they haven't been supported and selected equally. And that's where we have to see a lot more work and, and change happen with the political parties particularly. So it's one, mm. I think it's it's quite interesting if you look at it, if you consider it in the concept of equality, that candidates aren't selected equally, that there is a disproportionate, there has been a disproportionate selection of men over women. Um, and th- so that it therefore makes it gendered. And so we're asking the parties now to, move beyond even the quota levels which which are shouldn't be the the target they should be the minimum and we're asking that for the 2024 elections that they look and they select equally but not only select equally then but equally provide the supports to women in terms of running for campaigns and not land women on the ticket a week or two out from an election or even four weeks now's the time for for the selections and supports to be started to start be putting in place so
0: they shouldn't be there as kind of an afterthought by the parties, so they shouldn't be put in kind of in a place they're never going to win anyway
1: yeah not to meet the quota basically and i'm I'm hoping and i'm you know i I have to say i'm i'm only about a year and a half in not even a year and a half in this job and my eyes have opened up being a nonpartisan organization we get to work across all the political parties and and get to meet with them and, and very collaboratively work with them and see that there is genuine effort being made across the political parties to actually change this so i think we're witnessing the politics is changing and the face of politics is changing before us. I'm just hopeful um, that this is the case. Um, but also, you know, we have a lot of work to do to drive this home for the 2024 elections, the local elections in 2024.
0: Well, when you look at the opposition benches now, we've got three parties led by women?
1: Yeah. Yeah, right. So technically <laughs> four party leaders are female. So actually, but mm-hmm. if you're a stats a nerd, there actually is now more women leaders than than male leaders, female leaders than male leaders of political parties once you get into some parties of co-leadership going on. And that's fantastic. Of course, we haven't had our first female Taoiseach yet. Uh we've only had a fourth taunnished as women in a hundred years. So um I'm not a betting woman, but I would hope that, uh, well, I am a betting woman, but I would <laughs> bet on this. But we, can hope. But, uh, we would hope that we'll see this happen. Certainly. Um, I, I won't tell you, I won't say when I'd like to see it happen because that was like yesterday or a hundred years ago. It would have been great if we started off with a woman, but um, the certainly I would think the chances now are now increasing. And I think you see it also in other parties where there are male leaders, that there's potential female leaders coming through the ranks as well. So, we could end up with a, an all female party leadership maybe in a few years time <laughs> that would be quite something it's a, a tough business
0: though and i know from one of your previous events where you had hazel chu on talking about social media and how difficult it is particularly difficult for women i know social media can be difficult for for all candidates but gender based violence threats of violence awful hideous names being called and particularly with hazel chu the ethnicity aspect you know it's really horrific you know you wonder can anything be done about that i mean should you need a license to
1: go on twitter (laughs) well there's an idea um (laughs) how do you how do you assess that one it's very worrying and it's it's it just shouldn't be happening and um there's multiple solutions if if people put their heads together so for starters i think and you referred to hazel there and hazel has spoken quite quite publicly about this um but to actually be putting yourself out and for your ethnicity uh, your your the your identity um based on on your family where you've come from where your family's come from you know growing up in ireland having a um, a, a descendancy that's from outside of ireland and being told to go back home when you're running your election campaign um numerous times consistently um it, it's 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 just vile and it's disgusting, and there's no place for it in our society. I think um, Hazel is one example of so much abuse that has been subjected to, to particularly um, female politicians and, and candidates. Men aren't men aren't exempt from it. And, and certainly we've seen um very, very awful um. Uh, behaviour towards men in terms of particularly the social media, male politicians and um, social media spaces. And so the, the solutions, but the, the what's happening to women and we're seeing every week there's there are stories coming true in terms of women are, are start, female politicians certainly starting, starting to talk about it more, which is a good thing. Even when I came into this job a year and a half ago, there was a kind of worrying silence. It wasn't as, as vocal as if, what I could hear off, offline as opposed to what's online. So it's it been spoken about as a good thing. It's terrible that people have to speak about it. But now as a society, we have to and as institutions, we have to really take action. And so there are things that all of us can do. And I think that's the that's the call it out space. So, you know, when we're in when we're, you know, the simple things like not re re sharing abusive material um, because that continue unless it's coming from the person, the victim of of the abuse themselves, because that is just re Re, um, re, re-emphasizing what's happened to them and uh, so be led very much by that but I think calling out the actual behavior the platforms have a critical role and and there you know there has to be a way that they can do better here I mean I know that they have improved in terms of reporting and takedowns but it's nowhere near where it needs to be so, so that's quite critical and then the justice system response um we see recently that Deputy Carl um, McNeil had a very successful um, outcome when she reported, and it was taken seriously and went through the courts. So there are, is legislation there. Not all of it is fully understood within the justice system. And so the the police response needs to be stronger. Politicians should be able to go um, in equal confidence to the the police, to the guards, and into the court process. But there are barriers there in terms of going forward. The barriers always for women, particularly when they're reporting at even the more serious end of physical assault or threats or or sexual harassment or and and up to including sexual assault and and worse. So so all of these services need to equally be accessible for um, female politicians or women in public life. And they're not always perceived necessarily by women in public life as services for them. So I think we we, we have opportunities to strengthen there. And and then overall that kind of culture, that bystander acceptance or or you know that everyday take down a politician because it's the right thing to moan about today it's not okay you know it's not okay i think we have we can do much better and that adversarial culture that we have here in ireland doesn't need to be that way
0: oh i think you're so right there yeah yeah i think people are so fed up of it you know and we actually need good politicians so you know if you're always moaning groaning about them you can
1: understand why somebody doesn't want to go into a thankless job you know a thankless job, and also there is no, you know, the intrusion into privacy, into private life, is unless unless a politician is offering their family or their private life to into the public domain by choice, um, and even when they do, it should be respected mm. and not taken as political material, and and that's what I think, you know, that's. That's something that we really have to get on top of in Ireland because we need to make politics attractive for everyone. But we particularly need to make it attractive for for women. And I would say we need to do a lot of work to make it accessible and attractive, particularly for women from ethnic minorities. And and amongst those most definitely for traveller women who are have been ostracized the most in our society, who've been discriminated at levels that are uncomprehensible um, until you start to dive down and listen to it. And so, you know traveler women in ireland are working hard running communities every day of the week but we do not give them the equal platform to as a society and we have a lot to do to actually make it politics a space where where uh, traveler women in particular feel actually safe to come forward Mm -hmm. and run it's not that you're not able to it's not that they haven't the skills or the confidence it's it's that like why would you if you're going to be subjected to um so much racism, blatant, everyday racism um, perpetrated in the main um, by their neighbors and 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 colleagues, you know, so I think and and politicians, so I think we've got to really get get on top of that in Ireland.
0: So tell me, you have a series of meetings or meet the parties coming up. So for any women mm. who are thinking about getting involved, but they're not quite sure, you know, where their loyalties lie, where their values lie. So tell us about the the series that you have coming up at the moment.
1: Yeah, we're actually, we start, I started, I think it was, was it two weeks ago we started, we had Fine Gael. Um, So it's a lunchtime series uh, that we're running at the moment. We may run it at different times Um, in the autumn again, but um, it was inspired internally. We, we've done something similar in years previously where we kind of had all the parties in the one room and, and our women who were running training, who were participating in our training programs, who were interested in joining a party or getting involved or running for election, Um, had the opportunity to kind of at stalls to meet political parties or hear them. So what we thought was, you know, rather than being in a room in Dublin um, to give space to each of the parties to uh, and for women to be to access anywhere around the country. So it's a lunchtime series. It's a kind of a, a meet and greet. But with you getting into the behind the scenes, how do you get involved in the party? You want if you're thinking about running, how to approach a, a party, who to approach, where to approach. You know, it's not it's not necessarily the best thing to approach the local sitting councillor because you're effectively approaching your competitor. Um, so you know, uh, parties operate differently, so sometimes you're better off coming in at a national level, other times you're going to regional level. So each of the parties have their own unique way of organizing. And so this Meet the Party is an opportunity to see how you can get involved, also hear about the um, being a member, what it's like. I'm quite I, I mean, I love listening to them because you're really we're getting to hear behind the scenes. Um, and I'm now since kind of asking people, have you ever considered joining a political party? <laughs> and I wouldn't be, wouldn't have been one for person for that before. But I think there's something about, you know, we think of joining up a sports club, we think of joining up um other civic society organizations, unions or whatever. But have we, did we grow up in a culture where it was considered Oh, and with which party am I joining in terms of my active citizenship and my being able to engage in the cut and trust of of daily life, of politics and change in my community? So, in each of the in each of the episodes or each of the um the events, we have um a staffer from the parties, but also we have at least one leading elected uh, politician who talks about their experience. So, so yeah, no, it's great. Next, the next ones, I'm. I'm not sure if we'd have gone live by then, but our, the next ones are this Thursday, Wednesday, and Thursday at lunchtime. We've Labour on Wednesday at one o'clock, um, and we have Fianna Fáil on Thursday, and then we're waiting then to hear to book in Sinn Féin and the Green Party and Social Democrats. So that's yeah, that's the the lineup on it.
0: Lots to look forward to there. That's great. Um, so I suppose what does Ireland? as a a corporation need to do to get more women to 50 50 i mean that's your ambition isn't it
1: it's my ambition it's our ambition it's our board's ambition it's been the ambition of the organization for a number of years and many advocates so as i talked about we need to make sure we have enough women on the ticket so for the 2024 elections and, and the next general elections we want to see a 50 50 representation on the ticket let the that sounds play.
0: like a big ask, even though a we're like big ask, more than possible. 50%
1: of the population, like it should be reasonable. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit, It's a bit. it'll be a jump, but we're looking to double the number of women on the ticket for 2024. So we want to see 1000 women selected for the local elections. And we want to see 250 women selected for the, the general elections. Now, if you think the last, it is a bit of a, a leap, the last general elections was the first time There was a woman on every ballot in every constituency on the ballot. So, I mean, we've 23 um, local electoral areas where there's no women on uh, elected, but we've had many where there was no women on the ticket. But we're looking for the national average to be a 50-50 um, representation and if that becomes on every ballot paper that would be fantastic so that's one of the things so that's the supply issue um although we've women coming forward all the time so it's that matching with parties and parties making sure that they're selecting and supporting women where they can actually have a good chance of of having some level of success and hopefully ultimately being elected um and then we we really need more systemic change so we're working with um, the Eroctus members, um, we've worked on the Eroctus Forum recently. We're working with NGOs to look at solutions, systemic s- solutions to change. So there's a family-friendly forum report for the EROCTIS, how to make the Eroctus more family-friendly. Um, and there's a series of recommendations there that are very practical and very achievable. And really, we should now be able to bring politics into every every hub. Uh, even if it's a hub in Letterkenny, but that politics can be brought into rural Ireland. So uh, men or women don't have to be up in Dublin for the sake of it, that there's actually an opportunity to represent your community nationally, but remaining within your region reasonably. Um, The, you know, practical things in terms of length of meeting times, how notice around meetings, um, the efficiency of meetings, the chairing of meetings, particularly within local government. Um, It doesn't have to be, the way it always has been if it's not efficient um and then acts you know in terms of elections you know you can claim expenses for many things but you can't claim expenses for child care or caring so that's crazy yeah so just some very <laughs> practical things that could be put in place and then we're looking to introduce quotas for our local elections so we sustain the number of women in local government and into the national supply then so um we would ideally like to see a 50 percent quota But, um, you know, at the very least, there's a 30 percent in the next elections uh, leading up to 40. And hopefully the 40 will tip us into 50 eventually. Um, So there are some of the practical things. Um, Looking within the quotas then at actually building in an ethnic quota into the the gender quotas, because um, if we don't start to be very prescriptive in terms of the inclusion of, of women from ethnic minority backgrounds, then we're going to be Landing with a very white, very settled, probably very middle class electorate, uh, which is not reflective of society. So our key principle is always democracy needs to reflect the society it's it's representing. So, um, so that's there's some of the solutions. And um, as I talked about, the making politics safer, um, and so you know political parties needing to make sure that they're taking care of their members, make sure that they have standards of practice in place and codes of practice that they can hold all members accountable for. We see some of the uh, the perpetration of abuse can be from within political parties or from party to party. So, I mean, we need to cut that out and not have it as a norm that it has become in the last particularly the last few years. So there's some of the examples of what we can do. Um, but I think in terms of Women for Elections, main work, it's that we make sure that women have the access to the information, the support, the training. And so we're running programmes. Um, we're running the Inspire Campaign School. Our next campaign school is starting in um, on the 11th of May. What do you do uh, with those? So we have three sessions over three nights. And the first, the first kind of night really gets into, you know, finding that passion and that purpose, that confidence that that will carry you through no matter how tough it gets so it's digging deep into into the your reason for being in politics and and that's and we work with Orla parmody usually for that and Orla's excellent in terms of um really diving into somebody's confidence and being bring out their capacity to communicate then our second session gets into the telling your story so one of the challenges of being a, a politician is you have to sell yourself and actually it is it is the challenge and being able to communicate your message in a way that people um, connect and and want to be want to be part of what you're doing. So that's that's kind of the second session, an introduction at that level. And then the third session then is really into campaigning looking at how you set about developing your campaign, what's you know the nuts and bolts of campaigning and um, and a, a walk around in that space and, and getting yourself up. Now we have resource packs and information and, and guides and everything that that come with the program. Um, and, and we've had a few hundred women get through this program in the last few years. So we're, you know, we see women coming in now, you don't have to be running for election to take part in the programs. Um, women are coming in just to find out and, uh, and participate, but also they might want to get involved in a party or get involved as a campaign manager. And, and our training is, 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 um, designed around that as well. And then later in the year, this year, we're going to be doing a deeper then dive in terms of the quip which is getting people really ready for election so that building the campaign team you know building the cash reserve ways to go about that successfully strengthening communications um, and then working on the confidence all the time so so that's our equip and then we run a, a series of master classes and taster sessions that you know everything from media skills to you know how the local government works to you know technical um but also um inspiring uh, pieces as well so informing equipping and inspiring uh, all of all of the women who come forward to us
0: okay so before we wrap up i'm just going to say you're a very inspiring woman yourself how did you get involved with women for election or how did you get involved in kind of the whole gender thing in the beginning
1: yeah well it's a good question I landed I was asked in 1998 by my friend's mom in Fermanagh I was not in the best space in, in, my, in my life and as she asked me to come up and visit her in Fermanagh I thought and it was to help her out with the women Co- women's coalition campaign canvas in there was a candidate running in Fermanagh that she was managing so that's where I got my first taste of the feminist community activist space. And my work ended up bringing me into addressing male violence against women. Um, I landed, even landed in, in the UN in 2013 in the General Assembly. Um, as a a part of the advisory team to the Irish government. And for many years I've been working, was worked for nearly 20 years in address, in trying to change Ireland in terms of our response to male violence against women. And so I was very involved in the leading the collaboration to get criminalized uh, coercive control. And it was in that process that I got to really see and witness the power of female politicians, particularly the women of the Shannon at the time, where they worked so cleverly with us to break down what was an absolute brick wall this cannot be done this is not possible and it was an amazing experience senator keller Kelleher was there former senator keller who was there navigating women across parties the collaboration was amazing and we did it we managed to to knock the heads together and you know i see last week there there's 21 prosecutions lined up with the dpp in terms of course of control so that sold me and then the job was advertised and it was the right time because i could see that the the absence of women from politics we're not going to really change all of the inequalities in terms of gender inequality and particularly the worst form which is is uh, male violence against women in my mind unless we have uh, a strong uh, non-partisan cross part or uh, cross-party representation and independent representation representation in in at all levels of government and decision making so that's I saw the job and I went time is right this is a great opportunity to be part of this and I think as well for me the women in public life the visibility of women in public life is really important in terms of uh, uh, disrupting that uh, traditional norm that still held that women's places in the home and I think we haven't really fully got away from that bind yet so yes yeah, so this is this is uh well, i'm delighted to be here and working with a great team and a great board there's a great leadership on our board and and um and you know we're a small team low resources but we've got big ambitions and working really cleverly to to collaborate wherever we can to get the message out there and hopefully inspire women of all ages and backgrounds to put their hands up and say can I at least find out what you're doing just try they don't have to be perfect <laughs> just have a go yeah we're the probably the most imperfect organization you can link in with we've, we've no room for perfection it high it, it's it stifles progress you know mm. so uh I think it does hold women back a lot so tell me what are your own
0: five pearls of wisdom like that you've gathered from working with women for election and from your career
1: to date as well and in life what would your five pearls of wisdom be well, if I could apply them to myself, I'd be very happy, but I'll throw them out anyway, because I haven't really nailed it myself. Um, I would say um, be yourself and to be your authentic self. Um, and within that, then the when it's not feeling OK, it's usually because you're not alone. There's probably at least one other person. So if you can find the person to have the confidence to say what's holding you back, you might quickly discover that you're not alone and that it's usually the system. <laughs> it's usually patriarchy in some form of manifestation um i love having a bit of fun so um i you know find no matter how whatever ever has been thrown at you and i mean we're living in very challenging times um but take a deep breath when you can and um there's light no matter how dark it is there is light so I think that's that's quite critical um I managed to discover the value of the ocean and the cold sea and uh, you a sea swimmer yeah although (laughs) the old covid covid uh, dilemma recently has thrown me out a little bit but I do highly recommend it or anything that anything that can shift your energy Mm -hmm. in a very positive way connection with nature and then I suppose um yeah find the joy wherever you can I suppose they're my my um and i think just in terms of one of the messages i've got most since i've come into women for election is value you know valuing women valuing themselves valuing their leadership valuing what you have what we have to offer and and valuing that (laughs) we really need to value ourselves you know so um
0: and not slag off other women most women are pretty good at that anyway but yeah you know but i mean
1: value ourselves first i think yeah then that's then 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 that's um everything else will fall
0: through so tell me about money did you ever get a good bit of monetary advice or you know what's what is your financial thinking a lot of people are very a lot of women are very slow even to talk about it. it's almost embarrassing to talk about it but i believe it's something we should be a little bit more comfortable with because yeah. that's where the patriarchy strength is you know control <laughs> over money
1: it is i mean i'm i certainly wouldn't have many pearls of wisdom to offer but some that were offered to me i think um i think it's back to the value piece and i've heard that from a lot of men and i hear from very successful women is um you know our time is money or it can be it doesn't have to always be but to value what we give and and not to undersell ourselves i think that's that's really important um i apparently savings meant to be really important and pensions and all of that so
0: <laughs> i very so important. call I hear it
1: the 50 30 20 I'm, I'm i'm looking to apply but as i said you know um but also I, I suppose i don't sweat it really i've just always trusted um uh, even when there was nothing in the bank account i've always and i know i sit in a kind of a white privilege space sometimes but i you know I, I i do think that living a life that's very collaborative and that's very as authentic as you can be um and and being able to reach out and ask for help um but i'm not your successful entrepreneur and uh, if you'd if you'd cite my bank accounts you'd know that um <laughs> I'm not. But the you're right. That is a mindset. You know, it's a, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it it's is, a very it is. good thing I mean, say. I think there's a lot of fear attached to money. And I suppose mm-hmm. in terms of my previous work with, with uh, Safe Ireland, I would say independence is really critical. From a very early age, for girls, and independent access to funds and um, an independent bank account in any relationship is 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 quite critical. Um, and women having access to their own resources, you know, there's still many women in Ireland that may not even have their own bank account or their own bank card, um, because their money is being controlled. So I think we 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 really need to value our, our, the importance of that. Um, it might seem. Uh, quite removed for some of us but it, it is really important well, i don't
0: know if you remember but gay Byrne on the radio of the late gay Byrne, used to also have this thing about have your running away money ready wow. he used to say that to women all the time from all the letters he used to get in from women in horrendous circumstances yeah. just, just have your running away money your own little bit of money so you if in an emergency you have the yeah. escape plan ready you know yeah Um, tell me the environment I'd say you care about the environment if you're a sea swimmer and all that tell me is there anything what do you do for the environment what does it matter to you
1: it does matter to me and I would have been really good when I was in college and really good after college and I even was vegetarian for a while and you know recycled everything and then got and got swept up a little bit in the business of life and didn't pay the same attention so um, a garden grow as much veg as 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 the weather will allow, or my my back will allow, given any particular year, um. But I'm reducing. I think is is um the biggest thing focus on at the moment. So even the electricity bill came in today, and I'm like, okay, we're down again. How how do we cut down? And not, I mean, obviously we're trying to save money as well, but it's all about consumption. I have a 13 year old that that guides me, and I think that's where a lot of the the um. So our lawn now is isn't cut as neatly as it used to get cut not that it was very neat but we have we're you know trying always mindful of nature um I was reared very well in terms of respect for nature my mother was a biology teacher so we um I can't understand how anybody would throw litter on the ground um but looking to just reduce as much as possible but I am far from being your perfect environmentalist so a lot to a lot to progress around you know but I uh, certainly being very mindful of of what I use and um and what's what's the balance of pragmatism um but also uh where can I make savings for the environment
0: so like an old political slogan a lot done more to do oh yeah it applies to us all (laughs) (laughs) it applies to us all tell me about music what's your go-to song do what do you sing to yourself when you need a lift or if you're going out for a walk or anything
1: yeah, I'm real. Oh, you can I'm choose real. more than one. <laughs> oh, Manny's. You know, I'm just going to go to what, like, what today is. My daughter woke up this morning and says, "Can you play time after time?" And Cindy Lauper is going around in my head. Uh, my beautiful sister died suddenly a few months ago, and uh, so my music at the moment is very connected to her. Um, and to my mom, who's passed as well. So yesterday I had <laughs> I had John Legend. All of me was my main song uh, yesterday. That was Charlotte's favorite song ever. But I had Caledonia running as well because that was my mother's favorite song. So on any given day, I would have been a great uh, fan of U2. U2's one song can touch strings for years. But literally, I, I, I this year of the tickets that I've been gifted include Ed Sheeran and, and Olivia Rodriguez. And uh, that's kind of the spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> of of where I can end up you know so yeah music though I I what I love most about music is sound and um I chant a lot um and I use it as a great space for for healing and wellness so anywhere where music can just lift the vibration bring it on does it literally it does
0: it. heal so I'm really sorry to hear about your sister I didn't know yeah about thank you mom. She, was,
1: she was beautiful yeah my mom's yeah. gone a few years but yeah it's um it's a, it's a tough road, grief, and loads of people listening will know that it's also, you know, you get the gift that grief brings you as well, which is a, an openness to another way of being. But, um you know, having connection with people and having access to things like music and great work environments and and friends and everything and community and family um are just just uh, gifts and gold. So. And you have a great purpose there. there. You have a great purpose in your in your work too. So, listen, I'm going to leave you
0: there. Thank you so much for doing the interview with us. I really appreciate your time, and
1: best of luck with your work. It's uh, it's great. Keep it up, Angela. Thank you so much, and look forward to hearing your next podcast as well. Beyond this, and keep up the great work.
0: Have a listen back to Catherine Day because she talks an awful lot about a lot of the things you're touching there. She, she hadn't been uh, a fan of quotas uh, but came around to it during the citizens assembly and mm. talked a lot about the whole care and how the citizens themselves were demanding that the government do it do so much more and faster about care and the distribution yeah. of care.
1: yeah yeah we have to care about care that's my that's my line into the submission of the actus we have to care about care mm.
0: if nothing so, else COVID has taught us that hasn't it
1: yeah and' lovely to meet you as well thanks for organizing this If you're
0: thinking about going for office or helping run somebody else's campaign, have a think about signing up to any of their courses or attending their events via their social media or their website, Women for Election. You can find the Women in Leadership podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and on TuneIn and other major podcasting platforms. You can contact us here on the Women in Leadership podcast anytime on the website, womeninleadership.ie. You can also follow us on Twitter at Pod, and we're also on LinkedIn. Also check out the website womeninleadership.ie where you can find the substantial back catalogue of interviews and where you can read show notes about the guests. Until the next time from me Angie Mazzetti and the Women in Leadership podcast team here, goodbye and take care.